Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. 1 Peter 5, 12, where, where Peter writes, I have written to you, Briefly exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. Um, and you know, we, we see that theme throughout the, throughout the epistle. Suffering, grace, and glory. Um, you know, Peter wrote uh, this letter not only to a, to a persecuted church, but to, to a church, to individuals that were struggling uh, to, to hold on to their faith. And you know, you and I also many times have that same struggle, don't we? Um, the same struggle of faith. You know, the difficulty we face today may not be persecution, um, most of the, the problems we face, the struggles come from our failure to simply remain under the Lordship of Christ. Um, you know, it's easy to serve the Lord when, when things are going well, when everybody's behaving and, and, uh, and, and all seems well, but there are times when, when we grow weary, when we feel defeated, and it seems that the, the circumstances of, of life are just going to overwhelm us. And it's, and it's moments like these that we that we choose between dealing with life in our own strength or remaining dependent on the Spirit of God living within us. You know, Peter taught us many things in this letter, uh, who we are in Christ, uh, uh, what Christ has done for us. You know, Peter shows us how to live. Uh, <clears throat> Peter shows us how to live in the midst of persecution uh, and trials and how to, how to be submissive. You know, not only submissive to the to the, the rulers over us, but submissive uh, in the marketplace, submissive uh, to our spouse. Um, and most importantly, he shows us how our submission and our and our humility, even in the midst of these difficult circumstances, bring glory and honor to God. And how we have the assurance, and I love that word assurance. We have the assurance of an immeasurable reward awaiting us if we stand strong in our faith in Christ. And Peter's telling us here in this final passage to stand firm and to stay strong in the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, let's, we're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'm going to begin in verse 6. <clears throat> Am I too loud? Okay. I tend to get loud sometimes. Uh, verse 6, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit, on, be on the alert, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 
but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Through Silvanus, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon chooses together, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be to you, all who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, it's a beautiful passage. I, I was telling Pastor Jim uh, several days ago that we could take that passage and, and do a sermon series right there. There's so many good elements in it. But I think that it, as I was reading that, I, I, I'm seeing five things in this passage that I, that I want to draw your attention to tonight. And they all flow from Peter's admonition in verse 12 to stand firm. Stand firm. Um, look at verse 6 again. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Now, of course, that word therefore is referring to something that was just mentioned. And, and the therefore reference in, in verse 6 is to the, the last statement there in verse 5. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And you know, it seems like whatever we study, whatever book we're in, uh, in the Bible, whatever passage, uh, this word humility keeps coming up. You know, be humble. Um, so therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time. So we're to stand firm in humility. Stand firm in humility. And the Greek word for humble here uh, is really what we call in the passive voice. And it, it really means, uh, it could be translated, be humbled. Uh, and in this case, it, it's, the, it's the hand of God that is humbling us. We're being instructed to, to allow God to humble us. You know, in the early church, it was persecution that, that God used to, to humble them. Uh, to you and me, it could be the, the frustrations, the, the disappointments, the rejections, uh, and the difficulties of everyday life. You know, rather than complaining about them and, uh, and, and grumbling about them, we, we must submit to the Lordship of Christ. It's only when we humble ourselves under God's hand does he promise that he's going to exalt us. You know, God uses a, a variety of things to humble us. Uh, sometimes he even uses other people. And sometimes he uses tragedy and loss. Uh, and even though God may not have sent uh, that calamity or that trial uh, our way, he's able to use it for our good. Uh, remember the words of Paul in Romans 8, 28. Uh, All things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called to his purpose. 
you know, our problem is that we, we too often won't accept the, the sovereignty of God. You know, we try to live under this, uh, this delusion of, of self-reliance and self-rule. And, uh, and part of that, I think, is just, is just uh, the culture we live in. You know, we're not dealing with, with persecution now like, the, like our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world are. You know, there's probably people right now uh, gathering in a, in a basement or, a, or an alleyway or a, a cave and, uh, and having prayer, you know, reading the Bible because they, you know, they have to do it secretly. Um, but whenever we're, you know, whenever we're living under this, this false idea of self-rule and, 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 and self-reliance, we complain and we, and we struggle and, and we become frustrated. And, and a, lot of, a lot of us tend to want to give up. We're motivated to give up. And allowing God to humble us means that we remember that, that God is in control. And nothing will happen that he hasn't allowed. And, you know, that raises uh, many questions. And I know many of us, you know, struggle with, with questions like, uh, you know, we go through a bad situation or a circumstance and we wonder, you know, God, where are you? Uh, why is this happening to me? Uh, anybody ever been there? <laughs> but we have to realize that the point I'm making is that God allows those things. He doesn't necessarily cause them, but he allows them to come upon us, but he allows that for a purpose, and that purpose is always for our good. Um, you know, humility means accepting God's rule instead of ours. It means accepting his rule even when we don't understand it. You know, the verse immediately before uh, verse 6 that we mentioned a while ago says that, that God is opposed to the proud. He's opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And verse 6 says, at the proper time, God will exalt those who have been humbled. You know, it's not until our pride is dead that, that God's going to exalt us. You know, humility means we lose our pride, but we gain God's favor. I know one of the songs that, that Caleb sang a while ago always gets me uh, where it talks about we're, we're, we're asking God to strip away, you know, strip away what needs to be stripped away, uh, uh, you know, less of me and, and more of him. Um, you know, when we're humbled, when we're made low, we come to, we come to realize just how weak we are. We come to realize our weakness, and when we do that, we're forced to, begin to depend on God uh, and depend on his strength and not our own. And that leads to the next verse. Uh, look, at, look at verse 7. You know, Peter's telling us here we're to stand firm and depend on God. Stand firm and depend on God. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know, to me, that, that's one of one of my favorite verses, and it's one of the most comforting verses, I think, in, in the Scripture. And I love the way the, the Amplified 
Bible translates this verse. It says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. You know, just like pride makes us self-reliant, humility positions us to recognize and accept uh, our dependence upon God. You know, in Psalms 55, uh, 22, the psalmist says, cast your burden on the Lord and he'll support you. He'll never, let, he'll never allow the righteous to be shaken. You know, there's an interesting thing about that verse in Psalm 55. It's that the Hebrew word there translated burden uh, means what he has given you what he's given you. And a literal translation might read like, throw upon the Lord whatever burden he's assigned to you. And he will sustain you as you bear it. He'll not allow you to stumble. You know, whereas humility causes us to to see our weakness, dependence, dependence on God causes us to recognize and rely on God's supernatural strength. And within the context of of what Peter's saying, we're being told that God often allows difficulties to come our way for a purpose. There's always a purpose. And that purpose is to teach us both our own weakness and his uh, omnipotent strength. You know, in the midst of of these difficulties, uh, in the the course of dealing with the the trials and tribulations, uh, You know, Peter's telling us also that we have to be alert, uh, sober and vigilant, as the King James Version says. And while the Lord wants us to to use difficulties and and trials to develop us, uh, the enemy wants to use them to devour us. Look at verse 8. Read that with me. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You know, it's interesting. This is the, this is the third time that, that Peter mentions that sober-mindedness uh, in this epistle. So we know that to him it's important. Uh, you know, the verb translated sober and alert literally means to, to be mentally calm and alert at the same time. You know, instead of being anxious, uh, because we're depending on the Lord now, we can be mentally calm, and yet because we know we have an enemy, we must be alert and vigilant to the reality that our our enemy wants to destroy us uh, and to use every circumstance, every trial, every tribulation you go through, he wants to use those to destroy you. You know, the imagery here is of a hungry lion, uh, you know, prowling about. And, uh, um, and, and it says looking for someone to devour. And that, that word devour literally means, uh, you know, to consume or to swallow up. You know, Satan's the enemy of all, of all believers. You know, he's the eternal enemy of our souls. And, you know, from the, from the very beginning of time in the Garden of Eden... Satan has sought to destroy 
all that God created that was good. And today he seeks to destroy you and me. And don't, don't lose that thought because, you know, sometimes we, I think we get caught up in, in thinking that things are going so well that, that the enemy must be, uh, have, has forgotten about us. But believe me, he hasn't. Uh, and he's, he still prowls about. And, uh, and don't forget, he, uh, he, he wants you. He wants your soul. Um, and he wants to destroy you and me as we seek to live this Christian life. And, and how does he do this? How does the enemy do this? Well, th there's three ways. He seeks to destroy us first through temptation. Uh, he entices us to act contrary to God's plan and to be displeasing to him. You know, if Satan can't, can't have you... If Satan can't have you for eternity, he wants to destroy your witness. And he wants to render you ineffective. See, Satan doesn't care how much you know or how busy you are in church. <laughs> you know, if he can entice you uh, and destroy your witness, you're going to be ineffective. Because he knows our, our human nature probably better than we do, uh, he, he's an expert at, at appealing to our fallen nature and our carnal desires. You know, Satan will use the, uh, the strong desires we possess to tempt us and, and, and draw us away from God. And, and thus we, we must be sober and vigilant. Calm of mind, but at the same time alert. You know, he, calls, uh, he also seeks to destroy us through not only temptation, but through deception. He causes us to believe things about God and about ourselves that aren't true. Scripture says that the devil is the father of lies and a deceiver. And, and, he, and he's a master at doing that. How do you keep from being deceived? Well, you know, God has given us his Holy Spirit. And we have the word of God to lead us uh, uh, on this journey. Uh, Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, not, not only does, does Satan use temptation and deception, but he also uses discouragement. And I think this is maybe one of the big ones. The devil has a way of causing us to question. Uh, he causes us to to question whether or not, you know, living for Christ is worth it. You know, in times of trouble and trial, we become discouraged and, and we begin to question our faith, uh, to question the life we live and, and whether or not living for, for Christ is worth what we must endure. Um, and I know most of us sitting in here would never have questions like that, but you know, when in the midst of persecution, in the midst of a, of a hard, hard circumstance, uh, uh, in the midst of, of Satan's attacks on us through, through temptation, uh, deception, and discouragement, we can, we can begin to question our faith. Um, you know, it, sadly, uh, you know, I've, I've been uh, saved long enough that I've, I've seen a lot of people that, 
succumb to that. Uh, you know, you'll see people that are that things are going well in their life, and they're in church every time the doors open, and then a storm or a, a trial or a calamity or or something will come on their life, and then you notice rather than pressing into God, they, they begin to withdraw. You ever known anybody like that? And, and you don't see them anymore. And then there's the converse of that. You have people that are going through trials and 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 and, and circumstances and and all, all sorts of things, and 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 they come to church and and things kind of, you know, they they draw near to God. Things bec- begin to work out, and and pretty soon that they're doing real well. And, and and then they drift away. Um, but anyway, that that's the work of the enemy. That's what he does. He 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 tempts. He he deceives. He destroys. Uh, and he he loves to discourage us. You know, the devil wants to devour us like a roaring lion. But instead of giving in to his tricks, temptations, deceptions, and, and discouragement, we're told to resist, to resist, to, to, to be steadfast in our faith. Look, look at verse 9. But resist him, and of course this is referring to the enemy, to Satan. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. You know, we've, when, when we've humbled ourselves, when, when we've found strength in God, uh, when we've learned the secret of depending on him, and when we remain on guard against the devil, we can stand our ground. We can resist him. Um, you know, Ephesians 6 tells us to take up the shield of faith, and having put on the whole armor of God, we'll be able to, to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. James 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God, but resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. When our faith is strong, when our confidence uh, in God is, is unshaken, it, it's then and then alone that we've, that we've really turned the battle over to the Lord, um, which is what he wants us to do. Uh, you know, all through Scripture we, we see examples of that, uh, you know, when David was facing Goliath, he, uh, you know, he made that statement that, you know, the battle is the Lord's. Um, and we see that played out in uh, Daniel in the lion's den, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at the fiery furnace. Uh, you know, their, their, their faith was in God. They stood firm in their faith, and God fought the battle. He, he delivered them. Um, You know, perhaps there's, and, and even though I said earlier, we're not suffering the same kind of persecution that, that other Christians are throughout the world. You know, Paul told, give, gives us a, a stern warning in, in, as he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12. He makes this statement, all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And that, that's a, you know, that's a truth that we need to hold on to. And, and, 
And I think if we're if we're going through life with our eyes open, we're seeing we're we're beginning to see some of that. Um, and I think there's there's no more pertinent message, uh, you know, the church needs to hear today than this one that that we're we're to expect persecution, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. Amen. You know, our hope is in the triumphant return of Christ Jesus. Our hope is in the eternal life uh, he promises. You know, the world's not our home. Uh, Peter's told us throughout this epistle that we're pilgrims, strangers, uh, aliens. Uh, you know, we suffer here for a little while, and, and that can't be avoided. That's going to happen. But after we've suffered for a little while, look at verse 10 now. We're told that we can stand firm in our assurance. We can stand firm on God's promise. Verse 10 says, After you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Um, you know, that'd be a great verse to memorize. Um, you know, we have the promise that as God accomplishes his purpose in us, that those four things are going to happen. Uh, and, and notice, notice the, the adjective phrase that, that Peter uses there to describe God. He calls him the God of all grace. The God of all grace. The God who shows unmerited favor toward us. You know, God loves us. His purpose in allowing persecution and and suffering is motivated by, by his perfect love for us. He's the God of all grace, and he'll have mercy on us. And as we stand firm and resist the devil, God promises that he will, that he will do these things. He promises that he'll perfect us. Uh, he'll bring us to wholeness. Uh, he'll complete us in every way. He'll, he'll, he'll pour in what's lacking. He promises that he's going to confirm us. And, you know, the idea here is to make us firm. Rather than being uncertain and weak, uh, we'll be resolute and determined. He promises to strengthen us. He'll use the difficulties uh, to make us stronger, to enable, enable us to face anything that he allows to come in our life. And finally, he'll establish us. And the picture the Greek paints here uh, is of a foundation that's that's not shaky. It's, it's, it's firmly settled. Um, I think that's a beautiful passage there. You know, after giving these powerful words, uh, Peter seems to almost, you kind of get the impression that he's, 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 he's saying these things and he's wound up and then all of a sudden he breaks into kind of a, a doxology of, of, of praise here. In verse 11, um, he says, to him, to him be dominion forever and ever. And in verse 12, Peter restates his, his purpose for writing this, this amazing epistle. After letting us know that, that Silvanus, who's uh, probably Silas, who was with Paul in, in the Philippian jail, uh, and who's, who probably, the man who Peter may have dictated this letter to, and who probably delivered it. Uh, 
Peter says, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. That's a beautiful statement. And, and what, what is the true grace of God? It's the gospel. <laughs> it's the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, and throughout this epistle, uh, Peter gives us three themes that, that we see repeated, repeated, and repeated. Suffering, grace, uh, and glory. Um, and if we stand firm in it, if we stand firm in the, in the grace of God, we have the promise of verse 10. That God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory of Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And then reading on into verse 13, we're coming to the close here. Verse 13 says, She who is in Babylon, and that's most likely referring to the church at Rome. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Now most commentators seem to agree that, that Mark is, is Peter's spiritual son. And that is probably the same Mark that, that accompanied Paul on, on his journeys. Um, and then he says, greet one another with a kiss of love. And then some versions say a holy kiss. And, and Peter concludes his message the sa really the same way he began it. With a proclamation of peace. Peace be to you. All who are in Christ Jesus. And you know, that, that's, that's my prayer for you tonight. Peace be to you. We all need peace, don't we? We all have those times in our life when, when it seems like uh, there is no peace. So peace be to you, all who are in Christ Jesus. You know, the message of this epistle is, is really pretty simple. It's, it's stand, stand firm. Or as the, the title of the whole series was, 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 was uh, um, Stand Strong. <laughs> but we're to stand firm in humility. Stand firm in, in God's strength. Depend on Him. Stand firm and, and be sober and alert and vigilant. Stand firm and, and resist the enemy. Stand firm in the assurance that Christ is coming back. Amen.